Welcome to the Uncommonly Made Podcast, where we bring people together to create connections and build relationships. My name is Carrie Savaya, and I am your host. Today, I have the pleasure of bringing you Matt Sorensen. Matt is a specialist in corrective exercise, strength and conditioning, massage therapy, counseling and lifestyle coaching, and his whole approach produces integrative and individualized programs that have helped athletes, individuals, and others improve performance, prevent injury, and improve health and vitality. I found Matt through social media, actually, listening to someone else reference their healing journey and his ability to help them. So I started following him and learning more about his programming, and I've since purchased one of his books that I use as an amazing reference guide. And today we kind of just talk about all things health and wellness and the different programs that he's offering to support people in really tapping into understanding their body in the holistic mindset. So enjoy today's episode and don't forget to follow Matt on social media and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks for listening. All right. Hi, Matt. How are you today? Hi, Carrie. Good. Good to see you. You too. Thanks so much for being on the podcast with me today. Uh, this time difference thing always throws me off. It's evening here and it's rainy. How are things in Australia? It's been raining. It is now trying to rain, I think, according to that cloud. I'm no weatherman, but it's dark. So, so far, so good. And it's morning where you are? It is currently 10 a.m. Thursday morning. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed getting to know you, following you around the social media spaces for quite a few years. I think I've been following you somewhere around three years at this point. So I've watched you progress um, in your career and with the content that you're putting out into the world. And each message comes with just more resonance for me. So the conversation that I look forward to having with you is really just because you inspire me to really look further into my body and deeper within myself for healing, because that's a lifelong journey. And um, what I'd like to kind of just start out with is if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your background, I'd like to know with regards to teaching or programs or whatever, but really short around that. But I really want to get back into what brought you into this space of healing others and what your background is there. So I'm going to give you the floor and share, share what it is you want to share. I can't really pinpoint where my quote unquote journey started. It's probably a long snowballing effect into it, but I didn't really do well in school. I'm not an academic by any which way, shape or form. And my dad was very, he's, he's, he's the epitome of a left brain individual And I guess growing up, I just wanted daddy's approval so much that I, in my perception, I didn't get it, which just really in hindsight now, look, it just was something that I hadn't found my calling. I didn't find my genius at the time. I left school quite early, became a greenkeeper. I think you might call them a groundsman over there. Um, From there, that took me on a journey through sports turf management and studying of the soil which was boring as hell at the time but it when I left greenkeeping and got into nutrition it served me really well in the nutrition because that's where all our nutrition comes from the soil so I learned 
the the depths of soil science and from there got my qualification between living in where was I France and London at the time and working in the nutrition industry over there came back to Australia long story short you can't work in nutrition industry in Australia unless you've got the four-year university degree with the degree in Australia it's mainly it's not really about the food or the soil anymore it's more about the supplements I didn't really have much interest in that so I kind of let that go and got into personal training and after a couple of years got into strength conditioning then got in this is when kind of CrossFit was really becoming a thing at the time and each gym had its own niche of trainers you had always one guy who was a CrossFit guy one guy was a bodybuilder one guy trained elderly people one guy did this one guy did that and I ended up being the rehab guy not through focused intention that's that world kind of found me so that led me into obviously changing my programs to suit rehab but from a strength perspective kind of thing so it was largely rehab focused uh from there I got into massage therapy which led me down the rabbit hole of visceral vascular neural manipulation and all the main time in the background studying through the Czech Institute since I want to say 2008 maybe and going through the levels through there gave me a really holistic viewpoint of everything we need to uh, encompass and in the last probably six years I've had deep investigations into the function of the psyche and how that affects rehab how that affects our behavior um, addictions and so on and so forth so between kind of personal happenings in life I went through a pretty dramatic breakup um, of an engagement relationship with my dad my own upbringing losing mum when I was a you know very young child going through the discord of all that, figuring out who I was and where I fit in everything around me. I was able to really pinpoint myself first, which then led me to help others do the same. And that's what's really sparked the entire journey. And more recently, I, I suppose I've, I've just had a, a real passion for sharing information now, in this world today, we can't share information due to the obvious, but um, our freedom of speech has been lost. Our, our ability to really use and express our own minds, we don't really have that anymore as a culture. We've been told what to think, not how to think. So my passion is really to get people back into that kind of stage in their development to be aware. And when you're aware, it gives the ego something more tangible to navigate through. Now, being suppressed in our society today has led to more symptoms of other seemingly unrelated things. So what I share on social media, really just breadcrumb trails, well, hopefully that resonates so you can explore this avenue or that avenue. And that's really kind of where it all started. I, I'm one of those people that 
doesn't necessarily like being told what to do. I'm a, I like balance. I'm a Libran. That means anything to anyone. And for me, being suppressed is probably the worst, one of the worst things. And I certainly felt suppressed as a child, not being able to express myself. I didn't know how to. I never learned how to. So I had to do that the hard way, kind of through adulthood and through <laughs> a lot of pain. I laugh about it now because I can see the, the contrast drove me into what I want and it was taking me away from what I don't want. But I didn't know what I didn't want and what I did want at the time. So it was the contrast that helped shape that path for me. And, yeah, that's what really led me to here. That's the 101 version anyway. So you mentioned in there that you lost your mom when you were young. How old were you when that happened? I was three and a half years old. Wow in a car accident and I was in the back seat directly behind her. Oh, wow. The, uh, the scary slash magical thing about it is that I remember that like it was this morning. And I remember being so conscious of what had happened in the moment that my consciousness of it and my, my physical interpretation of it as a three and a half year old were completely different. But I remember thinking at the time, I know exactly what's going on. And, but I kind of felt at the time that, well, I have to act like a three and a half year old. So I I did. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you um, had to experience the loss of your mom, but also be a part of it. And perhaps uh, that chartered, your path a little bit and how you're now doing a lot of work around emotions and how things are stored in the body. Do you think that ties in at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always, that kind of really gave me a purpose that I was here for a reason. And I always grew up. I I mean, I grew up with an underlying psychological theme of I'm here for a definite purpose. You know, why her, not me kind of thing through my own investigations of my own psyche came to the realization that she could help me more from a different place. Mm. And she certainly did slash has slash is. And, you know, she's around, I can feel her around. Um, I went through a phase in my teenage years, as everyone does to a degree, growing up quite angry and going through a rebellious stage. I was angry more at quote unquote God for taking her away. And that kind of sparked a a deeper study into all the religions of the world. And if God's so great, well, then why has he done this kind of thing? That sparked that investigation, which opened me up to a completely new level of expanded bandwidth and conscious development. And when I went through several experiences, all the anger just left because I saw the bigger picture, the soul contracts, the, the real meaning of what's written in sacred scripts. And that really just took the load of the universe off my shoulders. And I was able to see that event as more of a, in, a, in the nicest loving way possible. I'm grateful that it happened. And I get it. I get the the why, I get the the when, I, I see the big picture of it all. I don't victimise it. I probably did growing up. Um, I probably 
you know, self-sabotage myself in certain situations in life. But when you see the big picture of it, you see the truth behind what's true, then that's the more of a kind of a mystical approach to everything. And that really allowed me to forgive her, forgive the universe or God or whatever label you want to put on that and forgive myself, even though I didn't do anything quote unquote wrong. I'm 50% of any relationship. So I forgave myself for being angry for so long, which is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And well, you could say it's a little bit worth it. Just a little bit worth it. Just a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) And was that turning point for you after you were into adulthood, you had mentioned living in other countries, were you already well into your adult years when you started to make all of these bigger worldview connections and how it was time for you to work through some of that stuff or, or did that happen younger for you? Physically, I was in well into my adult years, psychologically, realistically, if I'm being honest. Oh, how old was I? I was probably, it really started when I was late 20s, 28, let's say. Physically, so biologically, I was 28. Psychologically, I was probably 12. Yeah. And... I had to go through a lot of pain and unfortunately I had to put others through pain in relationships to come to that realization of, well, shit, this isn't cool. I need to, I need to do something here. But I was in a position at the time where I felt safer telling fibs to get approval from others than being honest with myself, being honest with the other and sharing how I felt. Because I came to realization later on in life that part of my my perceived suppression was I didn't feel people wanted to hear what I had to say, so I was just very quiet. And growing up as a quiet kid, I mean, keep in mind I had four older sisters as well, so I couldn't get a word in edgeway if I wanted to. But then at the same time, when something really came up, I didn't feel safe enough to express it, and coming through that experience opened me up to a completely different world of empathy and compassion. And you could say that was probably my virgin birth, my rebirth from kind of animal man into a spiritual being, but also it was my rite of passage from being a, from from a psychological viewpoint, a child being into an adult now and, and owning it taking responsibility for it and doing the work that was needed to, to work through it as well. Yeah. I find that we generally learn through those painful experiences and, and subconsciously we're trying to work through healing and connecting to that relationship that was lost or missing that we need to now search out for the purpose of healing. And we don't even know that it's happening. And then Mm. after we've done that, painful thing or those painful experiences or hurt the people or hurt ourselves is when all of a sudden we're able to say, okay, there become, there comes a turning point where we can stop and say, I don't want to live this way anymore. And I'm ready to make a change. I'm done hurting people. I'm done hurting myself. I'm done sabotaging. And then, so I'm curious with the suppression and being more quiet and feeling like you didn't have the ability to share your story or use your voice. 
this is a curiosity question. Did you experience um, throat issues growing up? Did you have series of bronchitis or tonsillitis or recurring medical conditions when you were a kid? Uh, nothing majorly serious. Nothing that really kind of hospitalized me often. So it wasn't at that yeah. end range of disease or dysfunction or condition. Uh, I did grow up with asthma and I'm sure I had a few asthma attacks. I don't really remember that kind of part. So I had asthma, which is a lung condition. I also couldn't really breathe through my nose till I was, can't remember what age, probably my early 20s. And that, I mean, as soon as I switched to organic food, all of that went straight away. Whether there was emotional, psychological correlation, you certainly wouldn't rule it out, but that came later after for me i always had this innate sense that it's kind of weird ever since i was three i can consciously remember since i was about three years old i always felt like the oldest person in the room i saw a shaman when i was i can't however old i was in 2016 2015 and he said he kind of looked at me from across the room and said my god you're so old and he kept saying it about five or six times. And it was like interesting at first, but then he kept saying, you're so old, you're so old. I was like, okay, well, I get it. Okay, I'm old, cool. Um, that was kind of a, a joke at the time with the group I was in. Being kind of the oldest, it really, I've always been able to see the bigger picture. Now, for those who are into spirit animals and shamanism, my spirit animal is a hawk. And I only learned this about, six years ago and the shaman told me that you have the ability to fly between worlds you're the messenger and you often fly up and see the big picture of things that's why you don't like you don't stress the small stuff and i really don't do i uh if anything i'm probably too laid back and need a bit of a firecracker but um but having that has always been in me and Every time I've had asthma or a, a blocked nose or whatever it might be, I always just see it as a, well, that's just a symptom of something else going on. And now being what I've been through, it's um, really allowed me to connect the dots a lot better. And instead of, I guess I grew up and probably we all did at some point with parents, well, if you've got this, do that. So if you've got a blocked nose, here's a nose spray. If you've got asthma, take this inhaler or some, um, I can't remember what I was on now, pull me court or whatever it's called. So if you've got this, do that. Not realising that, well, any respiratory condition is a condition typically of the lungs. Well, we inherit grief. If you study Chinese medicine, we inherit grief in the lung. The left lung is more feminine, the right lung is more masculine. And... Uh, ear nose throat thing can be anything from a pancreas and spleen issue to a liver issue to a, an allergic issue but from a going back to a visceral or a chinese medicine correlation we hold our severe our deepest wounds in the pancreas and spleen and they're intimately connected to our sinus our liver sense of deep self is connected to our frontal sinuses more precisely 
So all these things kind of correlated and made perfect sense when I saw myself as a like a, an organ map. I was like, oh, no wonder I couldn't breathe. No wonder I couldn't, you know, do this properly. Yeah, it's those, it, as, as you said, it's that pain that sparks you into awareness. Now, when you look at what's pain telling you, essentially it's telling you to do something different. But pain as contrast, contrast itself exists purely to guide you into what you want, whether you're conscious of it or not. You know, you put your hand in a flame it hurts. It's a clear message to not do that and go the other way. But it that can be symbolic of relationships. It could be symbolic of food. It can be symbolic of a job or any kind of event in life. If you're not feeling good in that situation with any person, place or thing, it's your version of the cosmic forces, whatever word you want to put to that, is telling you to maybe back off, do something different, try the opposite, or is it, it forces you to question, well, am I in alignment with that? Am I, is this what I value? I had a client a couple of weeks ago who was in a very internal tug of war and one of her deep values is caring for the environment and animals, but she works for an oil company. So, and she's been doing that for 30 years and she can't quite figure out why she's not feeling great but she's staying in it for the paycheck Mm -hmm. so so well there's got to come a point where you've got to be honest with yourself and say well can I keep doing this living against my value and is the money really worth it because the money you're earning is only going to be spent on doctors and therapists anyway so it's not really sustainable in that aspect um so I went on a tangent there I can't remember the question I was just going to ask as a follow-up to that though, did you, were you able to candidly have that conversation with your client? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure how deep your work goes when it comes to that and like not necessarily therapy, but like counseling somebody through those difficult realizations. Yeah. That's part of the, part of the role that I play holding space. And it's not just about the manual therapy. It's not just about the physical rehab. It's, well, what really brought you here? Keeping in mind that 80% of pain, be it physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, is 85% of that is idiopathic. So they don't know where it came from. Uh, their body tells me a story of their physical, mental, emotional, spiritual evolution. So I'm just reading their story. Mm-hmm. That's not magic. It's just how your body presents. The body has no mechanism for lying whatsoever. So whatever comes out of their mouth, if it doesn't match what their body's telling me well i know they're full of crap sometimes literally and um we go as deep as we need to because every whatever they're doing to get themselves in pain is an action each action comes from a behavior now the soul as lao tzu said the soul has no secret the behavior doesn't reveal but what influences the behavior well usually stems from a belief what's a belief a belief is a thought we just keep thinking so what drives the thought Well, the biggest influences to our thought, be it conscious or not, is the archetypal influences that we've usually inherited unconsciously, which usually come from mum, dad, and our belief of Imago Dei or God or deities, source, whatever word Mm -hmm. kind of works for you. So we go as deep as we need to. 
I love that you're able to hold that space in your role and working with people. And obviously pain brought them to you, but the conversation ultimately is what will probably help lead them into the healing place. How often do you have to have people coming back for the manual therapy part of the work that you do with your clients before they start to really see the shift uh, and, and maybe like a ratio of how many people are able to come to those emotional shifts through the work that they do with you and maybe heal faster? What does that look like in the real world? Yeah, it really depends on the person. It depends why they're coming in in the first place for someone who just wants to get rid of their knee pain. And that's really all they're interested in going straight into self-esteem issues that have something to do with someone else might not be the best approach. I learned that the hard way as well. Um, So again, it really, for me, you have to, you have to earn the right to talk about that stuff with the client. Now I can get rid of someone's knee pain as the example. So that builds a little bit of trust. Now their body leaving breadcrumb trails, I might get led to their stomach and I can explain the anatomy of how the stomach might cause knee pain on the left, but we also hold anxiety in the stomach, but it's more specifically anxiety in relation to other. So you might have a lot of social anxiety for whatever reason. So I'll ask those questions and I'll know pretty quick whether they're open to the discussion or not, but I'm not going to pry into someone's childhood just because their body is saying, well, that's what's really going on. For me, I have to earn their trust enough to let me in to do it. Um, And some people are open to that. Some people just simply aren't. Some people want to just work on their lower back and get themselves out of physical pain. And then they're happy with that. If that's what they're happy with, then who am I to kind of force them in the chair and listen to me talk about their childhood for 20 hours? Um, If they're open to it, um, I, I meet them where they're at Yeah, is probably the simplest. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to recognize and realize and that every person that comes to you is different and their perspective and the way that they see how the body is related to everything else. So I personally geek out on this stuff and I absolutely love the science behind the body in case you haven't noticed that. And yeah. I, I uh, was on the massage table with a particular massage therapist one day and we were just getting to know each other. So she didn't know where she could go with me. And by the third visit with her, I was like, okay, it's time to stop the surface stuff. Like go deep with me. If she's an energy healer, get into that work. I want to know all the things I tell my acupuncturist too. When I, when I first met her, I was like, I want to know all the details and all the nerdy things behind what you're doing. If you're putting a needle in a particular point, I want to know why and what it's doing, because that's how I'm going to be able to recognize. And I think it's important for me personally to then really intentionally allow the healing to do its work. If I don't know what's going on and I'm just showing up and trusting the other person, I'm putting all my faith and trust in their experience with my body. But if I know what's going on, then I can have a role to play in what's going on with my body and have that awareness that you spoke about at the beginning. And I think that's really important, which is why I like having these conversations with the ability to broadcast it out for more people to hear, because I think that this is the future of healthy living. 
these conversations, the recognition that pain is telling us something, the fire example is so real. You know, we, our kids put their hand up on the stove and we immediately bat them away. Why do we want to experience pain for ourselves when we protect the small people in our lives to not experience pain too? And the recognition of what is it communicating is so important. And I, of course, I have your book. I even pulled it out today to make sure that I had it for um, quick representation, but I've pulled this out quite a few times, even just with friends, when a friend of mine will be like, you know, I'm experiencing this. And I use your book as an example, because it's so relatable to be able to quickly turn to and say, oh, it's, um, oh, you've got, let's say a kidney infection, you know, you're on medication for that right now. Let's see what emotion you're not working through that relates to that. And your book's been a really great source for me to be able to turn back to. Oh, beautiful. That helps. Yeah. So I'd like to know how you prioritize your self-care in the process of all the things. So you're a healer, you do body work. So I'm sure you take on the energy of others. You're pretty well evolved in your journey. And it sounds like you, um, the awareness that you embody positively impacts your own life, but even the most evolved person still has to take that space and not allow the external energy to infiltrate the core. What do you do to protect your energy, protect your body and your space and your mind? Well, firstly, I'm, I see it as a blessing that I've got a terrible short-term memory. So if someone comes in and displays with ABC, then as soon as they've walked out the door, I've all but forgotten it straight away um there are there is the odd one that gets through the net and it kind of stays with you but then that's for me if i if i'm working with someone who that says an archetypal vampire now i know vampires are in the movies that it's all hollywood blah 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 but i can tell you as sure as i'm sitting here that vampires are real now i'll explain what a vampire is Vampires feed off life force, okay? So they will drain your energy. They, they don't like looking at themselves in the mirror. They don't like seeing what's being reflected back at them. They don't like the spotlight being on them. So they operate in shadow. So that's what an archetypal vampire is. Now, if I'm affected by one of these vampires, not in a Hollywood sense, then I need to look at, well, what am I projecting? Because they're, they're ultimately showing me, me mm. in the mirror. So if I'm not coping energetically with a person because I feel they're draining me, well, what is it I'm lacking for me? So that comes back to, well, I need to be aware of how much space I need each day. What are my physical health needs every day? What are my mental, emotional needs each day how do I find nourishment in those how do I find um am I adequately challenged mentally am I you know what's my spiritual philosophy that I want to not indoctrinate into someone but say well there it is do what you want with it kind of thing I have to be really aware of what I'm about first and I have to be aware of what my values are, what my dream is, what I want for the person as well. And many therapists, unfortunately, just in and out, treat, see you later, 
um, which has its place, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, if you don't know what you want, then you don't know what it looks like when you've got it. And that goes for therapist and client. Now, it's also up to the therapist to kind of see what type of client they're working with. Now, when I was studying behavioral medicine, William Kelly's research showed that there's only four types of clients that you ever work with. Type, we'll call it client one, will be the person that comes to you that wants to heal. They will do everything you suggest and therefore they'll heal efficiently. Type two client is the person who doesn't really want to heal. They're only coming to you because someone told them to. They're not going to do what you suggest, so they're obviously not going to heal as effectively. Type three client is probably the most interesting one because they're unconsciously in love with their symptoms and they use that as leverage, as street currency, as a power play against others. Victim mentality, self-sabotage. I can't do this because it reminds me of this tragic event when I was a kid, dot, dot, dot. So they're the ones who often say they want to heal, but then they go against everything you've just said. So that's annoying for an unconscious therapist. And it with the client, they're just going to tell everyone how bad the therapist is. So there's also the type four client, which is extremely rare, but they are out there. I've had one in my time who it's their time has come. No therapy can really help. In energetic, energetic anatomy, it would be called a miasm, which would be probably a past life thing. It's their contract. That's more probably arguably more for the therapist to learn than the client to get better. But that takes a, that concept itself is pretty hard for the average mind to kind of grasp. So for me, that would probably be the answer. And were well, you coming here for this, but why are you really here? Now, I have a big box of tissues in my clinic. They might come in for knee pain, but I might just ask the question, oh, how, how's your relationship with your parents? And then, boom, the, the tears start flowing. And they're always very apologetic. Like, Don't apologise. That, that's why you're here. Whether you meant it or not, that's really what kind of brought you here because, you know, I can help you at a different level. Um, and for me, that's where it's really at. Yeah. Someone just wants a oh, my ankle hurts, can you just stretch it? I mean, yeah, I can do that, but so can every other therapist on the planet. Um, if you want to get into the deep stuff, then I get more satisfaction out of that personally. But then I have to take care of myself to have the capacity to hold the space to do that. So I need to know what my dietary needs. You know, what, what do I need in my environment in order to be able to hold that space for others? And it, it can be different day to day, person to person, week to week, et cetera. Now, it's been different for me recently. There's been a, a tragic event that happened in my girlfriend's family last year, and that just sort of sucked the wind out of everything. So I had to learn how to say no again. So the, the bank took a bit of a hit, but realistically, I wouldn't have been able to, to help people the way I want to help people. And if I'm doing it just for, for money, then they're the kinds of, I'm going to attract the type two client that doesn't really want to heal. And I'm just going to, you know, bash my head against the wall the entire time. 
and they're going to be frustrated. I'm going to be frustrated. And you'll always find there's a direct correlation with how honest you are with yourself versus the type of client that you attract into your practice. You'll always attract someone into your practice that you need working on as well. Mm-hmm. And I think if a lot of uh, therapists kind of woke up to that idea, then hopefully it would spark the therapist to evolve themselves beyond the level of their patients and clients. Otherwise, it's the equivalent of paying someone to climb a mountain who's never been up the mountain before. So you're just paying for someone to get lost with you. You have a lot of analogies and they're also (laughs) relatable. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I'm hearing that you definitely have to protect your energy and your space by just taking care of yourself and really assessing your needs. If you're feeling out of alignment, get back into alignment, doing whatever it is you need to do to make that happen, whether it's nourishment through food or space and time for yourself. It sounds like um, the reflection of other people onto ourselves to teach us whatever it is we need to teach in that moment has been a really great learning key point for me in the recent years. I've really seen, I've been so hypersensitive to that in the recent probably year. I've noticed the patterns around different types of things that I had been attracting and how I needed to shift my energy to be able to attract in what it was that I wanted to, you know, correspond with. And that's been a really great learning and aha experience. Uh, You know, nutrition and exercise and water, they're all important. But in addition to that, being aligned in your spiritual growth, being aligned in your academic growth, even, and being aligned with the people that you surround yourself with. I often, um, I don't know who it was that coined it, but the top five people that you spend the most time with are kind of what you become. And I often share this, that the top five people, especially in the last year with so much isolation and working from home. The top five people I surround myself with the most are either age 13 and under or my <laughs> partner who I've been married to for nearly 20 years. So in order for me to, to grow and to expand, I need to interact with other people who definitely go a little bit deeper and, and are interested in having you know conversations around growth and that type of thing. Your yeah. vital... Your Vital Principles program um, talked a little bit about this idea of nourishment before going into a lesson. You gave me the opportunity to take one of the Vital Principles lessons, the individual module. And before the beginning of that, you mentioned it's important to make sure your blood sugar is balanced. It's important to make sure you drink some water. I'd like for you to share a little bit of history behind that because while yes, I know it's important, to be nourished and have water when learning or when taking in this information or really going deep into something, explain to me how the body responds to that and why you gave us that advice. The reason I put that in there is because a lot of people will take a lesson or a course purely for the the certificate they get to put on the wall. Now that's more to feed the ego. The ego is really five to 8% of our reality, depending on what book you read and who you listen to. So I put that there because for you to take on new information, information means in formation. If you don't have formation in your system, i.e. if you're malnourished, 
on any level, then your body's going into going to go into somewhat of a survival mode and you'll be fixated on, God, I'm hungry. I need to eat something. Oh, geez, I'm thirsty. I really need to. And as soon as you've thought that, you haven't, you've lost the capacity to take on the other information. Now, if you're already tired and wired or jittery or your your system's wound up, then your system's probably already full. So there's not going to be in formation anymore. It's just going to create chaos. It's like static moving on a TV. You can't even measure it. If you look at your physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, all of those need to be level. Physically, we need 51 nutrients in certain ratios to activate the apistat, which is the part of the brain that tells you that you're full or satiated. If that's not level, then you won't be able to concentrate. Your brain takes up 80% of the available blood sugar at any given moment. The brain is the engine of thinking. The brain uses up so much energy with conscious thought. To give you an example, if you were just to consciously think about your heartbeat for 20 minutes and count your heartbeat for 20 minutes, you will be exhausted at the end of that. I'm sure you've, anyone listening has had the experience of sitting through an intense exam and you come out of it and you're, you're knackered, you're, you're cooked, you're done. We have a puppy and it's in puppy school and it's a cattle dog. So it's used to running all day and 20 minutes of puppy school. He's cooked. He's, he's done. He's got to consciously think about stuff. So if that isn't, if that concrete slab hasn't been laid properly, then you won't be able to build the house of what the lesson is on top of that. Now you might, listen to the lesson which i think the lesson i sent you is close to two hours long i think from memory now there's a lot of information in that lesson and i've had students either take a month to listen to it or listen to it five or six times just to get the information in now i didn't learn it in one second i I can tell you that but it's the reason i put that at the front is because you need to be calm you need to be balanced physically, mentally, and emotionally to be able to handle the information. And some of the information in there, some people might not agree with, but at some level, they will always resonate to it. The only thing that's going to allow it or block it is their belief about essentially what I'm saying. So that's the reason why I start with that specifically. And I always want people to listen to that in, in a quiet environment. Because if you're listening to that with cars going by and horns and people talking to you, then you're only going to pick up maybe 5% of what's really going on. And the information in that series, in that program specifically, is all about how to essentially grow up and how to go through your own rite of passage, which is severely lacking in today's culture. And don't have to it's not hard to prove that just look outside um you know we have a we have leaders of the world who haven't really gone through their own rite of passage within themselves just because they wear a suit and earn trillions of dollars doesn't make them an adult an adult so that's why i put that at the start of the lesson and i found when people are just calm and when i'm teaching 
if any, I tell anyone, if anyone's hungry, eat it now. If anyone's thirsty, have a sip, do what you need to do. Then we can get into it. And they just, the information enters you effortlessly. Yeah. I think that's something that more uh, university level professors and other teachers, if they would implement that at the beginning of every class and help instill that into our younger population who are learning would be really valuable. Yeah. They tell it, you know, I know that my kids get told all the time to make sure that they eat before school, eat your breakfast, eat your lunch, eat, but they're not given any opportunities to do that from what I understand either in between classes or before classes, it's rush, rush, rush around. And, you know, if you have a need, you should be allowed to fulfill it. But I love the idea of, it sounds like taking space, almost taking space to assess your needs, make sure your needs are met right now, and then go into the learning mode where you can absorb the information. Because if you're paying for a program, most likely you want to be able to absorb the data and not have to redo it over and over and over again. Um, although it is a lot of deep work that you facilitate and the programs that you offer are, are definitely uh, for the folks that are ready to, to dive into a little bit higher level thinking and deep work. You teach on the faculty at the Czech Institute, correct? Yes. How long have you been on the faculty? That is a great question. I'm going to say since 2015. Did that mean that you had to go through all of the programs that are offered there or what capacity? Yeah, so you have to go to become, first of all, faculty, let alone faculty and instructor are, are different. So you can be on the faculty but not teach. To be an instructor, you have to not only do, when I went through the program, the base level was exercise coach. Now it's called IMS1, which is Integrated Movement Science. So you, now you'd have to go through IMS one two three four five, holistic lifestyle coach one two three, and whatever program you want to teach, you have to sit in that particular program five times to teach it. That journey took me probably six years to do, from start to finish. I probably could have done it quicker, but learning through the Czech Institute. I'm yet to find a program on the planet that is more holistic than that. And no one can argue with the information. People say it's outdated and all this kind of stuff, but it's really teaching you how to take care of yourself. So when that became outdated, I'm not really sure. With the instructor stuff, you have to sit down with Paul himself, Paul Check, and have a conversation with him about what you're going to teach. Now, I'm not one to get lightly intimidated, but I'll tell you that day was, was, <laughs> was an eye-opener. Um, and fair enough. I mean, if I had an institute and someone was going to teach my material, I'd want them to know it inside and out. And it was, uh, it was hard work, and I would do it all over again, 10 times over. And for me, my journey with the faculty and the instructing is only just getting started. I want to go as deep as I I can into that, but also have my own thing, something for me as well. Um, I do have an identity associated with that, but that's not what, just what I do. That's not what I'm just about. I have something that's my own creation that I'm working on. That's taking the best bits what I got out of the Czech Institute, other institutes, this job, that job, this experience, et cetera, 
And I've collaborated that together to create my the new program that I keep mentioning in in the lives. So that uh, that's what that is. Yeah. Perfect segue. Yeah, I didn't even. I heard it the same time you did. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you've learned from a multitude of different places. Check being one of them, but a very comprehensive. Uh, Institute with a variety of knowledge coming your way. Uh, and I referenced it because I know that it takes a lot of work to do what you, you've you been able to accomplish through that program. But that has set the foundation for your ability to really have a well-rounded approach to the programs that then you're able to write yourself. And the fact that you're putting out books, is this your second, what Payne is telling you, is that your second book? That's the second book. I've... Um... I've got a third book in the making that's going to be a lot deeper than that one. Um, it's probably going to be more orientated towards kind of therapy for therapists mm-hmm. type thing. Um, but that's kind of here at the moment. It hasn't quite allowed it to fall through. I'm, all my energy is on this program right. that I'm building at the moment and then I'll allow the other stuff to come through. Yeah, sure. So your work, you've already completed the one program, Vital Principles, that we've already referenced. And now your your passion and you've been pouring all your love into the new one. Is the official announcement able to take place right now? I know you sprinkled the name of it on social media, but where are you at with that now? So, well, there's two online programs. There's a physical performance, which is basically a rehab program that you can do online yourself. There's the Vital Principles, which is more about how the psyche functions and everything we've talked about before. The missing link is the holistic approach to overcoming emotional roadblocks. Vital principles and the missing link work beautifully together. I did flirt with the idea of having them together holding hands, but it would be a, a week-long thing at, at least. So I'm trying to keep it to a, a day, day and a half thing that you can watch just in your own time. Um, when it's going to be released, probably July. I'm, I've done all the filming. I've been trying to do voice recordings with a, a puppy next to me and he just needs to make one sound and it all gets thrown out the door. So that's been a lesson in patience for myself. Um, but again, like the, the information in... The missing link is really the reason I called it the missing link is because there's not there's not there's no other program out there like it. And there's how to work with emotions that are aimed to help therapists help their clients, but there's nothing for the client directly. And there were three seeds that were really set up for me to I felt like I had the responsibility to bring this out to the world one being the relationship with my own father, who I kind of felt we've, we've butted heads over the years. I'm right brain. He's the epitome of left brain. So we see the world very differently. Um, I've had the innate responsibility or the feeling of responsibility to combine the work of Czech, Burrell, Carolyn Miss, Carl Jung, Rudolf Steiner, Lao Tzu, and a host of other people into one thing to give people and late last year 
a good friend of mine took his own life. And for me, that was like a, yep, this, this can't wait anymore. This has to, I have to be able to get this out. And around that time I read, I'm not really one for reading the news, but I'll read, I'll skip over headlines just to help interact with clients as well. Cause I'll always mention something going on in the news and suicide is through the roof at the moment, especially with isolation and COVID and all that kind of crap. So if I can give people the tools how to work with their emotions physically, mentally, energetically, and spiritually, then it's something they can do in the here and now to help them navigate them through their own emotions. And essentially that's what suicide is. It's a, it's an emotional dysfunction and you, your thoughts don't match the emotion. So your ego doesn't know what to do with it. So it becomes too much in a lot of instances. So this is really me trying to, I don't want to use the word save, but help as many people as I can from that point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I can see the passion um, when you speak about it. I can feel your energy coming through and I thank you for putting forth your passion work into that project. It's, it hits close to home for a lot of people. Um, I know that you've dealt with it there with your friend and, and in other capacities. And I imagine that you have a lot of purpose in the lives of the people around you to hold that space. And you've gone through the experiences you have in your life to be able to be that gift and that light for others too. And now being able to pour your love and passion into it to the masses is an incredible gift. If you can help at least one person, I think it's. Well, it's worth it. Yeah. Totally. It's worth every minute. And people do stuff like that needlessly. And if they only knew that if people only knew what a big deal it was to be, to be a human, then they, they wouldn't see the small stuff as the big stuff and they could see life as, I mean, to get to here, think about it, to get to us sitting here, right here, right now, it's an absolute miracle. The way your eye functions is an absolute miracle. We don't have to consciously think about our heart rate, our circulatory system, our breathing, our digestion, our lymphatic system, detoxification, et cetera, et cetera, all the 37 billion billion biochemical reactions happening in our body every single second. We don't have to think about that. That's been given to us by nature. And if people just meditated on the fact that, I mean, in Yogananda's work, he said there are 60 billion billion souls just waiting for a human body. To have one is the greatest gift in the universe. Look at the word universe, uni, one, verse, song, one song. And we get, to, we get to sing it. We get to dance it. And I think if people were made aware of that without being stuck on, oh, I don't have enough money, you know, I, I can't do this, I can't do that. Well, I have the potential to. Human beings are set up as high-performance creatures. We can create exactly what we want, exactly when we want it. We just have to put that intention in the right place. And instead of focusing on what we don't want, focus on what we do want. So when we focus on what we do want, 
we can not only recognize it, but we can embrace it. And we don't really get taught that, especially in school. We get taught that if we don't score X percentage on an exam, then we're going to fail life and we're going to, you know, we, we won't be able to pay our way in the world. My perception of adulthood growing up was, well, I don't want to be an adult. I saw my dad come home from work, my stepmom come home from work, dressed up in suits, came home miserable, tired, rolling their eyes at the thought of cooking dinner for everyone and then conversing with everyone. And I thought, well, if that's adulthood, bugger that. I don't want anything to do with that. But that was my perception of what had to happen. And that kind of double got to me because I wasn't doing well at school. Mm-hmm. My conditioned thought process on the belief was that I have to do good at school. Otherwise I can't go to uni to get a job to pay my way in the world. And I wasn't good at it. So what good am I? So what does that do to a child's self-esteem? Right. It just plummets. But then we're not taught, well, there's other options out there. You know, you don't have to do what your parents say you have to do. That's childish mentality. And that's what being an adult's all about, breaking free of that, finding out who you are as a person, not having your self-identity to the size of your house or your bank account or the fancy toys that you can play with or purchase or whatever because once that's gone who are you left with the person in the mirror Mm -hmm. and last year we were living in isolation so people were forced to spend time with the person in the mirror and a lot of people didn't like what they saw so it exposes their shadow and if you don't have the resources or tools to be able to cope with that and work with that then of course I, I get it you know you can understand why but it doesn't have to be that way. It can, there is other ways. There's infinite potential in being a human being. And my message to get out there is, well, what do you need to feel safe? What do you need to feel secure in this world? What do you need to feel you? Because it's not about what other people think. People might judge you, but what they judge in you has nothing to do with you. It's an unmet need of theirs. But that's not taught. That's You have to go out into the world yourself to discover that. And a lot of people are suppressed. And when they are, quote, unquote, selfish by looking out for them, what do I need, what do I need, then they're labelled as selfish, which then it has a negative connotation in our culture, not realising that, well, you can't love anyone else more than you love yourself. Otherwise, you don't know what you're giving. And what service am I to you if I can't service myself? Right. So we've we've got that a little bit backwards Mm -hmm. in our culture. But that itself, you can trace that back to a religious program. You have to look after everyone else before you look after yourself. But then you're just giving what you don't have. You live life with an empty tank. And then when a a legitimate stress comes along, you don't have the resources to, to be able to handle that. Exactly. It needs to be taught. Self-love needs to be taught. Well, yeah. Birth to teenage year journey, the birth to five, age five journey is probably where the majority of that is lost. And I think that we can do a better job as parents becoming more enlightened to this concept. And the more work of 
the likes of you and creating these programs and outside of the school setting, since it's not being brought into the schooling environment, outside of the school setting, having this type of programming available, things that are free, like podcasts and Facebook lives and Instagram and now Clubhouse and these different platforms to be able to speak on topics like this, to continue to spread that message. My biggest teacher has been being a parent. Being a parent has brought me into that place of doing that shadow work because all of the things that I suppressed, all of the things that I buried, all of the things that I didn't even know could possibly exist, even in the realm of spirituality and everything else, all has become apparent through being a caregiver to tiny humans that I created. And there's nothing like that other than that for me. I don't know if I would have, where I would have gotten in in the timeline of my journey without each one of them in the timing that they were delivered to me. And I'm so thankful that I I get to heal that way. Um, I would have liked for it to have been a little Mm. bit earlier in the game so that my kids conditioning would have not been so, you know, just go the way that it has been. But the cool thing is, is that I'm here now and I'm able to help them you know, reprogram some of that too. So that's like a huge, huge message that I would like to deliver is just to take charge of, of our own beings, take charge of our own opportunities, take charge of our own self-love and quit trying to externally find validation and completion in something other than ourselves. And I was, I was, I chose to not be raised in a religious environment, raised being from the time I could make my own choices until I was in my thirties. And it was through a crisis that I chose to go into a Christian church. And that helped me for a period of time, but it was kind of like a bandaid and an exploration opportunity for me to continue my journey forward to learn. And it, it was, it gave me that crutch that I needed to go into the space of the questioning and the understanding of what I needed to work on and being that mirror for me. And it's been a really awesome journey. And I'm so grateful to have been able to come across, you know, teachers such as yourself along the way. And I don't think it's accidental. I think everything has such intense purpose. Uh, The way that I linked to you was through Christine Hassler, who's I'm now in one of her coaching programs, but that was years ago. And honestly, I remember it like it was yesterday I was listening probably to one of her podcasts or some recording that she did. I have no idea. And she hurt herself. She got injured and she came to see you. And it was such like a in passing statement who she went to see to get care for this injury that it wasn't even relevant necessarily to the story other than you helped her feel better. Like that was awesome. And I looked you up on Instagram and started following you, but the way that it resonated within me and it stuck with me for years, you didn't put a lot of content out into social media world. It's not like you were super active and doing all of these speaking tours and whatnot. So it had purpose and the message that you have to share, uh, I feel like it's connected with me a lot to then be able to share with others. So thank you for the work that you do. Soul contract sister. That's right. There's, there's lots of them and and they're powerful and I never forget them. Like there's people that even haven't been in my life for 10 years, but I know there was a soul contract there and I know that it had purpose and I don't forget it, but I forget a lot of things like you were saying with the short-term memory and people can walk out the door and 
you might not remember or hold on to that data. And that yeah. I'm very much like that. But then when there's those ones, those certain things that I have to remember for a purpose, they don't go anywhere and they stay and they are valued. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every person you come in contact with, Yogananda says that if you as little as brush someone's shoulder walking by them on the street, you have a sole contract with that person. Now, every person you come across life with, you're either going to wound or heal. That's up to you to make that decision. And if parents knew that the greatest effect, as Carl Jung said, the greatest psychic effect a parent has on their child is the life that they never lived. So that, pet, that child is going to inherit the unmet life of, of the parent and unconsciously attract people, places and things into their experience in an attempt to heal that, not only for themselves, but for the parents. And you can trace that back as seven, far as seven generations back. So if parents were consciously aware of that, maybe they would do the work before having the children. So the children could really come in with a clean slate and build with unbound, you know, there's, there's no objective there. Mm -hmm. And if parents could learn one thing from their kids is unbound play. Mm -hmm. How many adults do that these days? Hardly anyone. Everything's got to have a purpose. Everything has to be deadlined or, you know, you've got to color in, in the lines or you've, this has to be perfect or that with a specific objective outcome needed where a kid will build a sandcastle, a wave will come and wash it away and then kids will keep doing it. Mm -hmm. We've lost the art of that yeah. as adults in the West. And if we got back to that, then imagine just now doing something today for absolutely no reason other than to have fun. For and pure enjoy. joy. Pure joy. Just imagine being in that space for five minutes all of a sudden, your financial stress, how much money you owe people, what the shape of your body, etc., all that just washes away. Now, if all of that can wash, be washed away with just a thought of building a sandcastle or a rock stack or painting or singing or whatever, then first and foremost, it's not really that big of a problem, is it? Right. But we've magnified it so much because we have to work a job that we hate to earn all the money that we supposedly spend. should have. And that gets to, spent. Yeah. Well, that we entire salary is gone. Yeah. We buy stuff that we don't want to impress people we don't like. That's, that's our culture. That's the mindset of, of, of people. And I had a client a couple of years ago who was trying to kind of negotiate my fee. And I was just letting her talk and, so, well, no, but interesting kind of where this is coming from. So I can't afford this, but, you know, what if we did that and I paid this? And I said, which one's your car? And at the time, mind you, I was charging, I think, $100 for an hour or something like that. And I looked at her car, and I've never seen it before. I looked it up on the internet, and it was a $280,000 car. I said, you can't afford organic food. Sell one of those tires. That's both of our grocery bills for six months right there. But she's been brought up in a very strict, you know, she's been brought up with no money. So she has to be as yep. stingy as hell with it now. And she's like a multimillionaire. Mm -hmm. And it's people that just don't kind of get it, which is comes back from their childhood. childhood generational yeah. trauma. So, I mean, I could go on hour under her alone, but... 
we'll be we'll be here for a while. So on that note, let's transition because yeah, I think that. I think that it would be very easy to continue to go, go down rabbit holes. And just to quickly recap some of the um, amazing content that you're putting out into the world, if people are looking to find you, you've got a few books. I've got, and I'm going to let yeah, you. I've got a few yeah, books, uh, Doing the Wrong Things Right. It's a nutritional guide into vices, essentially, how to cheat foods effectively. I wrote that for clients because everyone's to some degree has an addiction, be it to coffee, to sugar, dairy, grains, whatever. And I was sick and tired of saying the same thing over and over again. Well, if you're going to have coffee, have it this way. Instead of having a triple latte with caramel and 17 sugars, we need to get it down to an espresso with a bit of butter. I'll explain why and how to have it. And the book is all about that. It's just a little guidebook to have. Everything from caffeine to alcohol to smoking, et cetera. The re- the, what pain is telling you is the pattern I saw over about 15 years of working with people in how pain comes through the, the discord of what you think and what feels good for you because that creates a friction in your energy field, which is kind of like an energetic thorn in your side, which ultimately leads to tension in the body that tension creates a functional compensation, which can affect diet, it can affect mood, it can affect biomechanics of the body. If that's left alone for long enough, then you develop an itis, which is inflammation, which leads to an osis, which is hardening. And then you've got a structural compensation. And then from there, what to do about it? What's it telling you? So pain, a headache doesn't, indicate a Panadol or an aspirin deficiency. How much water have you drank? What's your food been like? How stressed are you, etc. So it's really clues of, well, what haven't I been doing to take care of the one thing that in this world I truly own, which is this animal body that I walk around in 24-7. So what am I not doing to take care of myself? So it's more to give people awareness of, well, instead of, getting this cut out or taking this tablet or blah, blah, blah. Well, let's trace the breadcrumb trail back. Okay. Well, in chapter two, there's a, well, sorry, chapter one, the archetype, well, where does the discord start in chapter two? Okay. Well, where am I wearing that on the body? Chapter three, you know, how is that compensating in my body? How is that shifting things? What could I do about it? Where am I holding it? Oh, that happens too. Okay, well, I need to do this or explore that kind of rabbit hole for myself. And it just kind of, it's it's really more of a, oh, I haven't thought about that. So let me explore that for myself or my loved one or whoever because nothing else is working. Surgery hasn't worked. Diets haven't worked. Medication hasn't worked. This kind of therapy i've been trying it but i'm not quite ready for it yet so i'll try this first then i'll go back to that when i'm ready that's the purpose of that book really and it's more of just to open open the awareness up um, for people in their pain because people are in pain needlessly and when it comes back to it i probably wrote that book for my dad who mr left brain he um probably 10 years ago got diagnosed with prostate cancer and he got bullied into the surgery 
So when we hear the C word, we think, well, we need chemo, right? Or radiation or surgery or whatever. But when I, that sparked my journey on being a student and to give you an idea of how possessed I was by the student archetype, I'm talking 12 to 16 hours a day for about 10 years straight. And I found that the prostate doesn't cause its own problems, that he didn't have cancer. He actually had a, an advanced fungal infection. And I presented him with this information and his first response to that, well, you're not, you're not a doctor. Well, you don't need to be a doctor. It's in a book. Read the book. Does any of that resonate with you? Yes, 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 yes. No, but the doctor said this. So, all right. So that's why I wrote the book. And um, didn't tell Dad that. So I might, I might send this to him or not. I'm not sure. Well, send, we won't send him the podcast or should oh, we? Do it just to <laughs> poke the beehive a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we won't get into some of the questions that I have around pain regarding my family members. Um, Next one. Because hopefully, hopefully they will listen, but. Anyway, I'll, I'll be less passive aggressive about we'll it. We'll have to do a series on on all that kind of stuff. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. Um, but you also have the Vital Principles program. But what's the physical movement one? Now, the physical performance series yeah. is basically how to get your core functioning, taking care of your back, how to stretch properly, how to you know. There's a one in there on balance training. Uh, it's essentially just a rehab program. There's one on shoulder conditioning. There's a golf conditioning in there had a lot of golfers at one point so it's really just the physical aspect there's a weight loss one in there that has nothing to do with exercise so people that going on to that they can kind of see a theme going on and everything's not exactly as it says on the label but uh between the the physical performance which is predominantly 90 percent physical the vital principles which is 90 percent within the psyche and the missing link, which is more dedicated towards the emotions aspect of it. There's not many people that it wouldn't be able to help. And your website is healhub.net. .net. Yeah. Very good. And you're on social media with your name, your business name and Instagram, the same. I'll link all of that in the show notes so that if anybody's interested in finding you there, they can and before we wrap, I just need you to answer the final question, which is what is it about you that makes you uncommon? I think we've covered yeah. it, but. Um, <laughs> I'm uncommon because I see, I see what, I see the truth behind what's, what's true. You can see what's happening in the world now is what's true. It's happening, but what's the truth as to why that's happening. And if you see the truth, as to behind what's true, then you get to see what's, don't believe everything you read and see. I'll leave it there. Probably like yourself, one of those rare individuals that I've, through contrast of my life, I've developed the strength to be different, to have psychological freedom and have the use of my own mind, which is very dangerous against the mainstream narrative of a lot of corporate entities. I'll, I'll leave that there for now. I think you've well covered yeah. it. Yeah, we got yeah. you. So yeah, you get to the truth, you get to the root cause and you're not inside a box. Definitely not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid to go there either. All right, Matt Sorensen, thank you so much for joining the Uncommonly Made podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Karen. It's been fun. Yeah, we'll see you around the web. Definitely. Thank you for listening to the Uncommonly Made podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
don't forget to look for us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, the website, all noted here today in the show notes. I had originally planned on getting an episode out every week, but note that there might be a slight delay here coming up. I'd like to make sure that I have a lot of content available for listeners in the future. So production might get a little bit slow here in the coming weeks as I continue to learn and grow as a host. As always, I welcome your feedback and your connections. So don't be afraid to message me and let me know what it is you would like to hear more of on this show. Your support and love is appreciated. Again, thanks for being here. Be well.